You're listening to the Spiro Avenue Show. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch our full shows and clips and highlights on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoy. And you know, the theater scene in Michigan is shut down right now, but it is the finest scene to go to. So check out Imagine Theaters. Their website is great. They have discounts on gift cards, help support the local business. Do them a favor, do them a solid, hook it up for them. Imagine Theaters, go to imagine-entertainment.com, buy a gift card, help a local company out. Good friends of the show, shout out to Paul Glantz. Without further ado, this has been a very long time coming. One of the most sought-after guests in the Metro Detroit scene, if not the national scene. Andy Isaac, Up Rocks Media, laughing already before we even show him. Andy Isaac, welcome to the show. It's going to be hard for me not to just laugh constantly. Do you need me to sit closer to the mic? Yeah, I don't know, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if people want to actually hear what you say, that's probably advised. I'll I'll sit a little closer. I feel uh, so small compared to you. You're like towering over me. You got like six, seven inches on me, so... I'm not as good looking as you, though. That's the one I handicap. So, yeah, so you, <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not as popular as you. So I'm happy to have you. This is a crazy time in Detroit sports. I mean, we had a, a little bit of a layoff. Now we're back and we're stepping right into the cauldron. There's a million places we could start. I think there's no better place to start than the Detroit Lions. Big in the news just less than a week ago. Something that you and I are both passionate about. We're going to get to our distinctions and how we're passionate and how, <laughs> and how, and how we cope. And this may, that may be the point where you get upset with me. But they finally move on from Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. So I think it was a year too late. I discussed that ad nauseum on the show, on my Twitter feed. Anyone that follows me knows where I stand on that. I, how do you view the Quinn Trisha era? Is it a complete disaster? Were there any benefits to it at all? Because to me, it's a total nightmare. I view it as bad as I view the Matt Millen era. It's that bad. It's, it's the, the bottom of, of the barrel for Detroit Lions fans. It's, it's gross. I, I was so passionate about like the Lions, these last like you know, maybe like the last year or so. And that's why I would, I would have all those like meltdowns because I really felt like they could do something and they had, you know, a guy who had a winning pedigree in, in Quinn, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm the scout for, for Bill Belichick and nothing, nothing. We got nothing out of that. And now we're starting at the bottom again. And I think we both know that Jim Caldwell wasn't a playoff winning coach. You know, he was a nine and seven type coach, but he didn't leave the cupboards bare and they made it seem like it was it was garbage. And look where we're at now. They have to rebuild. Yeah, they entirely. they openly made it seem like garbage. I mean, yeah. that was not something that they hid. That was not a, a leaked report. That wasn't Matt Patricia's not real burner account, burner account. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt Patricia stood in front of the media, the digital media with their little cameras. And said that, you know, we had a lot of work to do when we got here and, you know, basically insinuating that he walked into a dumpster fire, which it wasn't. You know, it's funny. I've never really thought about it in the context of comparing it to the Millen era. I wanted to jump on you and say you're nuts. But then I thought for a second, wait a minute, Matt Millen didn't waste a franchise quarterback and never wasted a roster this good. Now, 
part of the reason the roster wasn't that good was because of Matt Millen. But if you look at the totality of the coaching, the executive staff, they really did blow an opportunity where, I mean, going back to even Jim Caldwell's first year in 2014, that's one of the best Detroit Lions teams ever. Didn't win a playoff game and really should have. They had one of the best defenses in the last 20 years in the NFL period. So I, it, you actually convinced me in two lines. It probably was a bigger disaster than Matt Millen. I, I just don't know where they go from here. And I'm curious for your perspective. Like, what is the move? Because I don't know. There's no Patriot well to go to. I don't think they should even try to approximate something, go for the Steeler way or the Falcon way or whatever. Like, what, what is the next move for them if you're running the show here? From a coach standpoint, I, I, from I wish- the whole organization, you're <clears throat> Sheila Ford Ham. You're looking at, you're the third person to get a crack at this in your bloodline. The others are 0 for 2. In your first big decision, you had a big whiff. And we'll get into people excusing her in a minute, which is it's just ridiculous that she's absolved for the decision to bring this crew back when she was the one in front of the media explaining all the reasons why it was the right move. But you're Sheila Fordham. What do you do? I, <laughs> I am really high on um, the defense coordinator for, for the Niners, Robert Sala. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. You got you, it. You need to bring you need to bring him home. And I, it's funny because I just watched a clip from Dan Orlovsky um, about <clears throat> I can't remember what game it was. This might have been the last game, and they and Salah had planned out like a cover zero with Richard Sherman kind of as the robber, and it was just like genius. And I'm like, we did not see that with Patricia. Patricia was a very was very much bend don't break, except it broke. All the, all the goddamn time, right? So, yeah, it would it would be nice to bring in someone who kind of, I don't want to say, I, I know thinks outside the box is way too, way too common of a saying, but I really think that Salah does stuff that other, other guys aren't doing. And he's just, he's just a guy that they, I think they should go after. I think Eric Bieniemy is likely going to get an interview as well. And I wouldn't mind him, but I, I think I think that's the guy that the Lions should go for, man. I, I, I totally agree. Sal is my guy, too. And, you know, we spoke to uh, Ben and I, a good friend of uh, Robert Sala, who insists that Sala would walk here from San Francisco. That really? He, that he wants the job. And to the point where this gentleman showed us a text message <laughs> from Robert Sala. Wow. About, this is before Patricia was... Is this Fire. like breaking? Are you breaking news right now? I talk, I, I tweeted this out, but it's just I don't have a hundred million followers like you do. So, <laughs> so you know, it's it's like the Rodney Dangerfield joke. He was doing so poorly, he he quit, and he was the only one that knew that he quit. You know, it's 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 like I'm not, I don't have your platform, but no, we actually uh, tweeted this out a few days ago. But Sala is dying to come here, and I I saw the text message myself, so this isn't hearsay. You know, from a friend of his, where. He basically said he's keeping an eye. It was like uh, keeping an eye on it. And it was like the fingers crossed emoji because uh, my buddy had asked him, like, hey, coming to Detroit. And it said keeping an eye on it. Fingers crossed. It's just me. I mean, come on. What, what else does that mean? So he wants to come here. The questions are, OK, the typical yin yang, you know, pendulum swinging is you go offense, you go defense, you go offense, yeah. you go defense. Jim Schwartz was defense. Jim Caldwell was offense. We swing back to Patricia. So you would ha- hire back to back defensive coordinators. The devil's advocacy for that is, was Matt Patricia an anything specialist? No. No. (laughs) It's so funny looking at the Matt Patricia era where they talked about two things, two things above all else. We're going to run a ball control offense based on the run. The running game was terrible all three years. Bottom five of the league all three years. Yeah. 
and we're going to be a defensive team. We're going to be uh, an elite defensive unit. Team finished bottom five, bottom six defense all three years. So it's like, it's not even like those Rex Ryan teams, like for the Jets back when the Jets were still pretty good and on the cusp of a couple Super Bowls where it's back like. Back when the, when the Jets weren't just the worst team uh, uh, ever. You know, I, I actually happen to resent as a Detroit Lions fan, that like the Jets get all this like, oh, yeah, like the Jets are the punching bag. It's like. They've been on the doorstep of a Super Bowl twice. They won some playoff games in the last 15 years. Like what I would give to have seen that. Yes, they're awful now, but get like give me the Jets last two decades over ours in a second. Oh, but for sure. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I could I I could go. You know, I, I need to say this. Yeah, go ahead. The the Jets are are winless, correct? They're they're yes, winless. 0 and 11. Okay. And the Lions, I can't remember the year that they they went winless. They were a garbage team, but they were competitive in so many of those 2008 games. to get Stafford in 09. Yeah. Yeah. They were competitive in so many of those games. The Jets are getting blown out. They're embarrassing. They're hard to watch. It's bad. I, I think if you lined up both those teams right now, that Lions team would annihilate this you're, Jets but you're team. Taking, you're taking us, maybe, but yeah. you're, you're taking one year. I'm talking about like the No, 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 I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. The Lions are, are just dissed in sort of a reverse way. Like, I feel like we are not extended enough sympathy. Uh, you got to hear about the Jets fans whining, the Redskins fans whining. It's like, Redskins, I can, or excuse me, the Washington football team. Yeah, the football uh, team. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> can we bleep that out? <laughs> but uh, no offense intended. But they, they won Super Bowls in their history. Like, you know, Joe Gibbs was in the Super Bowl with them. It's like, I'm sorry. I know it's been a bad 20 years. For the Lions, it's been a bad 60 I don't know where they go from here. I, I actually agree with you on Salah, and the key for me, and I, I'm curious if you agree, it's not just the, the technician. They have to do some serious repair work on their reputation with the players and agents in this league where they had a conga line parade around the block dancing on the graves. Matt Patricia's casket was stomped into the earth's core within 15 <laughs> minutes of him being fired. Well, when you put it that way. By his former <laughs> players. So. You have to get that stink off. So I think you have to hire, you know, the, the cliche is the player's coach. I think you have to factor that in because you, have, you can't hire a hard ass. And Salah is that rah-rah. His players love him. That's what you need. Do you agree with that? Yes. Are we also saying that Jim Caldwell was a player's coach? Because I think he was. He was the ultimate player's yeah, coach. Yeah. Probably the most popular coach by, for players ever. So it's kind of the same thing when we talk about, you know, you have a defensive guy. You know, you go for the offensive guy, yeah, and then you go back to the the defensive guy, and now we're going from player coach to arguably maybe one of the most hated coaches in the NFL, top five, and maybe one of the most hated coaches in like Detroit sports history. Yes, and then now we're going to a guy that is a homegrown guy, a guy that you know coached at a Dearborn high school. I don't know like his whole story, but he I mean this is a homegrown guy. Everyone is going to love him. Yes. Now the fans are going to love him. The players are going to love him. That's why I think it kind of it kind of fits. Patricia came in that first year and made and like this isn't even a football thing. He just made a like human mistake in that he like he came in with that alpha male, you know, like beating his chest yep. and it rubbed all those veterans the wrong way. And they had maybe they didn't have a great squad. But they had very good players. They had Slay. They had they had Diggs. They had Glover Quinn, and he just he turned off all those guys, and he never recovered. I know that his 
his personality changed, I think, in that second and third year. And I think he was a little more friendlier to the players, but they never liked him. And like you said, when he when they fired him, I've never seen the 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 myriad of just like players just just dancing on his I mean, literally every single player. I don't know if anyone stuck up for him. Like maybe Trey Flowers did silently, like behind closed doors. Um, but that was that was ugly. And that that was a and that was a black eye, not just for for Patricia. It's a black eye for the Ford family. It's a black eye for Sheila Ford. It's a black eye for for Quinn. It's I, it's ugly, and I I really do think it's it's as bad as the Millen era. And I you know I was at the game that ushered in the Millen era, the Paul Edinger you know field goal that you know all they had to do was beat that four win Chicago team. We probably never we never see Matt Millen. And, you know, so I was there for that whole thing. You were there for that whole thing. I think this was just, I think this was just as bad, bad. It, we, yeah, for the reasons you said. I mean, when you throw everything into the context of the situation and the roster and the opportunity lost to capitalize on it. If you, again, not to dwell on 2014, which was uh, obviously before Patricia's time, but if you're looking at, like, where Caldwell had the team. Mm-hmm. You know, they had so much talent on that team. They had a lot of talent, as you said, when when this regime came in, and it was blown. And that brings me to my next point with this team. Sheila Fordham. I have been very open about where I stand on the Detroit Lions media in this town. I think they're phenomenal. Justin Rogers has been on my show twice, but he and I had it out on a key point. Sheila Fordham and this benefit of the doubt that she's getting. Michael Rothstein, ESPN.com, writes a glowing report about Sheila Fordham. I think it was in September, you know, a few months ago. Just you can go find it. A glowing report how she's different, Yale educated, and she's going to get to work and make all these changes. I'm baffled, baffled that she has been so universally given the benefit of the doubt. Not saying you have to condemn her out the gate, but there's the media here seems convinced that you have to give her the benefit of the doubt. Where do you stand on Sheila Fordham? Wait, are you saying the media gives her the benefit of the doubt because they know that the Lions will never sell, that the Fords will never sell? No, I mean, what Justin, what Justin Rogers said almost exactly quoted, you know, slightly paraphrased at most. Shout out, Justin. What's up, Justin? He's definitely <laughs> watching this. The, that eight-mile vodka is great, by the way. That's a free plug. They didn't pay me anything. Uh, but, you know, Justin Rogers sat in the chair you're in now and told me, that I don't like blaming people for the sins of their fathers and this and that. It's like, okay, I get that. I'm not saying you have to condemn her out the gate, but why do you have faith in that she's different? Because it's not just a wait-and-see approach. That, that'd be different. That's a little more neutral. They're not saying that. They're not saying wait-and-see. They're saying, oh, she's different. She's going to get after it. And if you recall, maybe you don't, we heard all the same shit when Martha Ford came in uh, five years ago. We heard all the same shit. She's going to be different. Didn't work out that way. Sheila Fordhamp takes over, and she has made one big decision, and she sat in front of the media and told the fans that they were wrong, that she knew better than them. Oh, I knew it was the easy decision to let him go, but I'm going to do what's right for this organization. The obvious insinuation being the fans are wrong. I'm right. I know what's right for this organization. You guys don't. A little friendlier package maybe, Yeah, that was the message, and that was a big whiff. You had a chance to draft a quarterback at three. I'm not going to get all the way down that road. But just, you're a diehard Lions fan. 
Sheila Fordham is your owner. She's the third Ford family member to get a crack at this. Do you, are you saying let's take a wait and see approach? Or are you a little more cynical? I I think the Lions have made me very cynical. Um, I think they've made every fan that's been a you know like been around since the '80s and the '90s very cynical. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree with you here. I I am more of a wait and see because. If I thought the Lions were, or if I thought the Fords were going to sell the team, I'd be like, "All right, let's let's get these let's get these assholes out of here." But yeah. like, what what are we supposed to do as fans? We have to take the wait and see approach. There's there's we have no other recourse. So yours isn't a rational wait and see. Yours is a I'm at gunpoint. Yes, and, there's there's oh, well that's fine exactly I mean, right. There's there's nothing the for table. me to do. There's nothing for fans to do. There we know they're not going to sell, so we have to accept and we have to hope that Sheila Ford can figure this out. I don't know if she can, but I do like that. I and I know that you were on the bandwagon of they should have been, you know, fired last year. Yes. Right. They, you know, Patricia should have, and you, you think Quinn and Patricia should have been fired last year. Yes. But I think Patricia was the more egregious decision. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But she made, she made a decision that I actually think, and we both think was very good. It was just for you. It was a, a half year too late. Whereas I think if you look back at William Clay Ford and Clay Ford Jr., they probably would have kept, you know, both those guys going into next year. So at, if, if we're looking for the positives in Sheila Ford, she fired them, maybe not when you wanted to, but at least she pulled the trigger earlier than her predecessors. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my positive spin on Sheila Ford. And you, you are the yin to my yang on yes. Lions fandom. We're both Lions fans, but we're, we're the opposite colors, you know, if that makes any sense. Because I, I just, you empowered them to use a third overall pick asset that can't play. I mean, we'll see. But he's one of the worst objectively players uh, in the NFL. Not, not cornerbacks. Jeff Okuda is one of the worst players in the NFL. His player football focus, uh, pro football focus score is, is, really is, T, is it's T's Tabor bad. Yeah. T's Tabor, who's working at Target right now. Tease so Tabor. I'm not saying, look, <laughs> you, you, you can say, Poor oh, it was, but you can say, okay, she made the right decision to say, oh, it was only six months too late. But look what happened in those six months. You blew a franchise altering asset in that third overall pick. It's just a huge mistake. And like just, you know, Ben's got like, I think it's a Dave Burkett tweet. Can you throw that up, Ben? Some of this stuff, the fans are already revolting against Sheila Ford Hamp. And frankly, I defend them at this point. We'll see if Ben can get this up. But someone was chirping at, uh, uh, at Dave Burkett about Sheila Ford Hamp saying, you know, she, this is a dumb and unserious person about how she was handling the firing. And, you know, Burkett is saying, I see the honesty in this. Sheila was forthright saying she didn't have all the answers. It's the truth. And rather than lie, she was honest. So, like, we're giving Sheila Fordham, uh, not to pick on Dave, because this has been the universal take from them, mm. but the, the media seems convinced that Sheila Fordham is different. I don't know, like, how many lines of this family do we have to see before we bail on the bloodline and just say it's probably never going to work out? But, but, but again, what is, what is the alternative for us Lions fans? 
to hope for the best, but openly acknowledge that they're terrible on a daily basis. I think that's we, where I'm at. Yeah, I, I, I think you're probably. I, I think we both know you're more cynical. <laughs> um, more cynical than, than most. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But I, I just like the average fan. What, what can, what can you do? It's either you just give up the team entirely until the 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 team or until the Ford sell, but that's not going to happen. No. So, and people ask me why are you so passionate about. Uh, such a shitty franchise and i get that question a lot They're like like why do you still care and i'm like i want to have passion about sports i want to have i want the lions to be good maybe they'll they'll never be good but i just want i i'm one of those people that has a passion about my sports teams and you know i've gone back and forth i have i went a year in college where I just didn't care about the Lions and I came back and that was that was in the, the you were out era. and you came back in I, I was out for it's like, a whole it's like year that movie 1408 when John Cusack wakes up and he thinks he's out of the hotel room and then he, he's back in the hotel room yeah. <laughs> it's like, you woke up back in the hotel room I uh, I had a low point I've had many low points with the Lions but I broke a door in our college house um the game was the Bucks. It was Gramatica kicked a kicked a game winning field goal, and I, and I just, I, yeah, and I just lost it. And one of my roommates' parents is like, "There, there's something wrong with with, with your buddy. <laughs> like he's he's taking this way too seriously." But that's that's who I am, and I I I I enjoy it, and I I think there's a lot of people like me that just can't pull themselves away, but also have to realize that you know, let let's be realistic. It's very possible this team will never do anything your with pet, the boards yeah. as owners. Pro- probably not. Yeah. And, and, you know, your passion is a large reason why you resonate and, and why you have resonated with the fan base in this town because they find you relatable. I think you're sort of channeling uh, the dark spirit of the mob and the lows and, and the, the ray of hope during the yeah, yeah. very few highs. I think you're sort of a, a mouthpiece for so many fans. It, this brings me, you talk about your passion and your ranting and your reactions to this. It brings me to your rant videos. And, you know, you are, I was going to ask you flat out why you do this to yourself, but you kind of already explained it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was one exchange that, you know, with Mike Valenti, not an exchange. I mean, you reacted to Mike Valenti, where Mike Valenti was on his show calling basically everyone in your category doing these videos and stuff losers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll pull up. You You had an interesting response to this. I want to talk about it. Ben can pull that up. I'll read it for the audio listeners. So you, you're saying this is a brief response to Mike Valenti. So say- this is, for context, this is after the Falcons game where they won uh, pretty much at the, right? They they won at the, at the yeah, buzzer. The, yeah, Hawkinson in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. So you say... This is quote from Isaac. It says a lot about you as a human being when you feel the need to cut people down for celebrating something good. It says a lot about you as a human being when people use sports as a positive outlet in 2020 and you make fun of them. It says a lot about you as a human being when you resort to insults to get your point across. So here's this is going to get awkward. No, no, that's fine. I, I know that you disagree with me on this. Well, I just. I, I don't get how you're pushing. You're pushing forty. You're forty. Uh, no, I am forty. You, you are forty. Yeah. Okay, so you're forty. I'm. You 30. just aged me. Sorry. Sorry. Is that bad? Can we cut that? No, no. So I'm thirty three. I was you. Now there wasn't Twitter and Facebook then, but if if there had been, I would have been you when I was up until maybe nineteen. 
And I got to a point where, you know, I'm the cynical, jaded person you see before you, mm. where I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. Still root for them, still hope for the best, but they're not going to ruin my Sunday. I, I don't get, point one, I don't get like how you're still at this point where they have this much, I'm not saying don't care at all, but like, you have to know this crazy shit is coming. And now that was actually a rant about something good, but like the pendulum swinging the other way when you have a rant about them being bad, which I think your stuff's funny. But I just, I, I sit there and wonder like, okay, if you were Chris Castellani in his early 20s when he went big on the Tiger stuff, I was, you know, up until late teens, early 20s, I was that guy. Like, do you ever, are you going to be 60 in making these videos? Like, seriously, I just say, because you're torturing yourself. Am I going to be 60? <laughs> Where, where's Let's, the cutoff? Where do you, where's the cutoff? I can, I can tell you, you say my wife enough. definitely does not want me to be a 60 year old ranting about <laughs> sports teams on, uh, yeah? on I the mean, internet. I, I don't, I, I wish, I wish I could break myself away from the Lions. I really wish I could. But also, like I said, I really want to be passionate about them and I really want them to succeed. And like, I think we've been spoiled. I think you're also, you're a Pistons fan. You're, oh, yeah. you know, you're a Detroit sports fan. Yeah. So I think in, in some respects, we've been, we've had so much success with the Pistons. You know, I grew up on, on the bad boys. So like, and I'm very passionate about the, the Pistons, but my passion for the Lions is, it's just different. And I, I, I wish I could, I really wish I could tear myself away from it, but I, but I can't. But also, like I said, I'm like, I'm realistic in knowing that I just don't think like deep down, deep in the like the recesses of my gross stomach, right? I know that with the Fords at the at the at the top, they're likely never going to go to the Super Bowl. They might win a playoff game, you know, they might make some noise, but overall, and so it's like <laughs> this but, you're making, you're, you're, but you're making the case for not having those reactions. Yeah. Which that's what I still don't. You've explained it to me twice. And I, I mean, you're a smarter guy than me, but I still. I, I don't just, know about that. <laughs> I just don't. I'm just not. We're not there. So we can just agree to disagree. When I saw your tweet calling out Mike Valeni. Now, he wouldn't. No, no. I, I, I'll, I'll, I, I need to say something. About go ahead. This. Go ahead. He I didn't hear the segment, but I got multiple messages from people saying he was calling out some guys individually. For the reaction to the game. And I'm like, listen, man, this is everyone's had a shitty year, right? Yeah, 2020 has been shitty. Like for me personally, it's been shitty, but like for everyone, it's been a, a struggle. So when we see our teams do something, let people celebrate, man. Let's not let's not make fun of people just because they wanted to get on video and 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 you know celebrate a win. Was that win, did that win mean anything in the end? Of course it didn't. We all knew, I think, deep down that this team wasn't going to do anything. Like, we might, we may have had, like, a sliver of hope after that game, but, like, we knew. His, Patricia's defense was garbage. It was never going, it was never, there was no foundation. It was never going to last. But, I mean, for that game, it was fun. And I, I, I don't like shitting on, am I allowed to swear here? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't like shitting on people who are trying to have fun. And that's and that's what I felt like he was doing and I felt like he was kind of like personally attacking some people and I just like nah, I'm I'm not I'm not about that. He went a little too strong. The reason why I cringed is because Did we, you hear this the segment? I never well, heard he, the segment. See, everyone said like did you hear Mike Vonnie? and I I happened to listen to 
almost that entire show that day on, you know, playback on radio.com. And there wasn't like any one time he addressed it kind of like six or seven different times in bits. So like mm-hmm. there wasn't one kind of smoking gun clip where he just went off. He was just like, Oh, these losers or something like that. So he did call it out, but uh, there were multiple segments in that episode. But, uh, but when you tweeted that, that response to him, I was cringing kind of silently in my chair because you had already, you know, agreed to come on tentatively. I don't think we had a date set yet. And I was thinking, well, I kind of agree with Mike Vlani. I wouldn't have gone as hard. I wouldn't have been like, you guys are a bunch of losers. But I agree that it's like, come on, like, this team's going nowhere. Like, how are you duped into this? But we, we, we can leave that. You it's know, a it's last just, second win for a franchise that sucks. It was damaging. That they would, they would, they would, have, a, they would have a better draft pick. Going into next season, they'd probably blow anyway, but I'd always take my chances with the better pick. Those were damaging wins, and that was the thing. It's like, even if you are the slappy Lions fan, like my buddy Mike Fick is the biggest slap. He thinks they're going 16-0 every single mm-hmm. year. He, he can't find a loss on the schedule ever. And even he is like, eh, you know, it's probably, probably not great that they won those games. He loved them at the time, but, you know, it's it's damaging at the end of the day. I it, The one thing I'll say, you can go ahead if you have something else. Wait, but... The manner in which they won the game, Atlanta's defense was garbage, right? Like, we we all knew that they were likely to give up a score there. But there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of energy around, like, that Why? final drive. I, Why? Why? <laughs> Todd, if Todd Gurley falls down, it never even happens. And yeah. That, that was a win that, at the best-case scenario, they would have furthered an 8-8 an eight and eight type campaign, which, that again, best-case scenario, that's not happening. And now they're picking in the middle of the draft and maybe this regime is retained an extra year. Again, it, it was bad in every single way. Even if you were the Isaac, you know, I'm the Andy Isaac. I, I'm, you know, bleeding Honolulu blue and silver. It was still the wrong thing to have happen. So from a logical perspective, you are entirely right. And I don't know if I can defend. I don't know if I can defend the, the type of like raw emotion. But again, it's like. We don't have much. We don't have much in Detroit. So like when our teams win and it's just a shitty year, people are going to celebrate. And that's my thing. Like I'm going to celebrate. And then like when they lose, I'm going to get, you know, freaking pissed about it. And but I again, I I understand. I need to be a little more realistic about oh, you can maybe whatever. openly realistic. It's worked for you. I mean, do whatever you want. I just we have a different take on it. Matthew Stafford, is it time to move on from him? Yes, you agree and I, with, we agree there. Okay. And I, I think I, I think we probably both believe he is still a good quarterback. Yes, absolutely. Um, but he, you players reach like the end with 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 a team, and he has reached. He has he had probably reached the end before this year, like going into this year, and yes. that's likely why they should have considered Tua at at three but that's I mean that's like a whole different thing because they had the they had a regime in that was going to leave and they let them make the pick it's a whole other like topic of discussion my tongue is bleeding from biting it yeah I um I think but like it doesn't make sense right I I'm not a I'm not a financial expert but it doesn't make sense for them so they're going to ride him for, for one more year, it, I think. It didn't make sense to do it this past year. I, I didn't advocate trading him because it was cost prohibitive. I would have drafted Tua and just sat him for a year. But it's doable going into next season to trade him. And, and people smarter than me, Justin Rogers, Dave Burkett, have broken down why. It's not great. There'd be like $12 million in debt yeah, money yeah. for one year. But it's doable. It's not prohibitive now. I think it's time. 
I, just the last thing with the Lions, and then I gotta get off them. They're driving me nuts. I just see you're you're like me. You're like they drive you nuts, but you still gotta they, they like irritate. They irritate me though. I'm not bouncing off the walls. But so we agree it's time to move on from Matt Stafford. The best thing about moving on from Matt Stafford is we would get to move on from Kelly Stafford. I don't know where you stand on this. Oh man! And I, I I'm gonna. You see, I'm going to start this segment, so you can actually take a minute to really contemplate all the ways you're going to handle this, so you don't like end your career. I, I, I've thought about this. How oh, I'm going to say this: Kelly Stafford should really shut up. And it's not a woman thing. My wife was a child life specialist at Worried Children's Hospital in Chicago. There were people she liked, she didn't like. I didn't go on their Twitter feed or their Facebook page and insult them, the people she didn't like or they're mistreating my wife, or this person's great, or this person's bad. It's not my place. Not a man-woman thing. Like the Bill Burr bit with the first lady. It's like, why has the first lady got such a big voice and everything all the time? If Hillary had been president, Bill needs to shut up for four years. It's, it's not a sex thing. It's a role thing. So and we have so many examples. I, I, I had to pull 100 examples, and we culled it down to three. So, Ben, for the viewing audience, if you can throw up this first one. This is from 2018. Kyle Mankey tweet quoting Kelly Stafford regarding Jalen Ramsey. So this is really quick backstory, really quick. Jalen Ramsey had given an interview in GQ oh, where he said, he said Stafford was an okay quarterback. Didn't even saw him, just said he, he's pretty good. He's not great. So this is a, a tweet from Kyle Mankey. Kelly Stafford, wife of Matthew, on the Jalen Ramsey comments, quote, can someone tell me why GQ is interviewing Jalen Ramsey? I understand ESPN, but not GQ. There's nothing GQ about him. Just seems like a complete waste of time and space. How tone deaf is Kelly Stafford that she's saying that Jalen Ramsey, an NFL player, giving an interview about another NFL player, Mm -hmm. about his NFL ability, can't say anything, while she, who has no NFL qualifications whatsoever, is somehow interjected into this. That's beyond me. I'm going to give you the floor for like five minutes, but I want to rip through. This is the second one, New York Daily News article, 2015. We're just going to show the headline. Kelly Stafford, wife of Lions quarterback Matt Stafford, and another social media battle after selling tickets on StubHub. This is the wording of this, that it's the wife of the Lions QB and another social media battle, which just gives the context on this. We're not going to rehash the entire StubHub fiasco, but it was... What, what year was, was this? This was, 2015, this was 2015, where she was using her Instagram to basically like scalp her tickets. Okay. <laughs> like, and yeah, this was a while ago. Okay, yeah, I think I remember five that. years ago. And people were like, hey, like, you know, your husband makes $30 million a year. Like, can't you just give him to some kids or something? Which for the record, just because you're rich doesn't mean you can't sell something. I, I didn't have a problem with that. The problem was her lashing out at these fans. It's like, just ignore it or block them. Yeah. So this is, we'll go to the last one. New York Post article, 2015. Joe Lombardi had made some comment about Matt Stafford on his way out after gets, getting fired, just saying, you know, he had some limitations they were trying to work with and, you know, his abilities. It was pretty innocuous. This headline, there it is. I mean, Matthew Stafford's wife puts down the vodka, slams ex-Lions coach. So we, I, mean, I seriously had, I'm not exaggerating, like 15 or 16 examples of tweets, headlines, like different stories from this kind of stuff. I just, I will be so happy. If Matt Stafford leaves, not because of Matt Stafford, but just because I'm so done with Kelly Stafford. I don't get the fascination with her. I don't get why her opinion is so relevant. I get why the media has to do it because it does resonate. I just don't know why it resonates. I only talk about it when I say it's stupid. I don't like actually care what she thinks. 
you took a jab at her yourself a little bit after a loss saying it was the dictatorship line, right? My okay, <laughs> we need to talk. How many um players on the Lions, how many wives do you know by name? Brenda Warner and Kelly Stafford. That's oh and Giselle, obviously. That's a yeah. great point. Yeah. Great it's, point. It's like it's that, three. Th- that's my biggest issue with her, the, is yeah. why is she always on, like, why are we always talking about her? I, I, I'm I'm going to try to be like, no, this, this is this very much off. like my rant. This you go. I'll yeah, tr- this turn is my ve- mic off. This is very much like my rant. It's just like, and then she says something, and then what happens? Two days later, she has to apologize. This is uh, like, let's go to this, like, most recent one was... Calling and I I realize that a lot of people have really strong feelings about the governor. That's fine, but the whole dict. How did you how did you say that? Not thinking there was going to be blowback from it. She said she just for the context for like the six people that don't know Kelly <sighs> Stafford, Kelly Stafford who just got done with like a tie bow workout with her personal trainer. Is sitting in her Lexus on her, <laughs> on her way to her $5 million mansion and is saying, listen, guys, I am so tired of living in this dictatorship called Michigan. And, and you made the ultimate point, not just with the how many players' wives do we know. And Giselle doesn't even count because she was famous before she even met Tom Brady. Yeah. So it's really only two, one of which is Brenda Warner. That guy's been retired like 15 years. So I had to go way back to even pull another real example. But the other key point is... She constantly apologizes for that stuff. Like, at least stick to your guns. My, my, that's my thing. It's like, I don't know how she's got to be in her 30s, right? Yeah. Or late 20s. She's like 31, 32. How do you not learn from all the other times you've been in the news? I can't (laughs) imagine Matthew Stafford coming home after the whole dictatorship um, video. (laughs) He comes home from practice, like, and you know, like, Matthew, if you ever talk, spoken to Matthew Stafford, he's really intelligent. Oh, yeah. He's very, like, he's well-spoken. He's, like, very careful about the stuff he says. She is completely the opposite. And I I just don't understand, like, if if it was one time, be like, okay, we all make mistakes. Right. You said there were 15 tweets that you could have or 15 instances. Different stories. Yeah. 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 It's it's incredible. This she is making TMZ on a regular basis (laughs) as the wife of a quarterback on a crappy franchise. I, I seriously cannot believe how much how much attention she gets. And. I love Matthew Stafford. I think he is probably the best quarterback we'll ever see yes. in Detroit. But when he leaves, her leaving is going, we should throw a ticker tape parade when she leaves. And she, I, I hope that like I never have to hear from her again. I can, seriously cannot believe how often she's in the news cycle. I mean, there was a thing where, like, there were so many stories I caught. I, and I might get the details a little bit wrong, so forgive me, but I have the gist of the story where, like, she was at a Michigan State game one time with with Matt Stafford, and, like, she was wearing a Georgia shirt or something, mm-hmm. and people were like, hey, like, why are you wearing the Georgia stuff? And she had a huge diatribe about 
I love all of our teams, but I'm not going to forget my roots. It's like it just it's, it's like two people called you out for your shirt. You don't have to be in the news over it. I mean, there there have been issues where she, you know when there were Matt Stafford trade rumors and she had a whole thing. We're in here for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. We don't care if you appreciate us or not. It's like the, the contrast between him and her. He's so soft spoken. Yeah. He's like you said. He's very measured. He wants no part of this. I, I, I'm dying. No to, part of it. He doesn't have no. social media for. And I really think he stays off. I'm sorry. I'm talking really loud. He stays off social media. I think because of her. Because he <laughs> doesn't you, want. You? He doesn't want to have to defend every time she fucks up. And it's. I gotta know like. At what point did he find out that his wife was trending for calling Michigan a dictatorship? Yeah. Like, was he, like, taking the pads off in the locker room, like, checking his phone right before he out in the shower? Was he driving home? Did he get home and she said, honey, I'm sorry I have to tell you something? You know what was? Like, when did he find out? <laughs> you know what's kind of ironic is that, you know, I, I think her point about small businesses was probably, like, a lot of people felt that. A lot yeah. of A lot of people – have friends who own small businesses in in Michigan who are suffering. A lot of people are are suffering, but then she made her apology video at like Target. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? She's, she's telling everybody to like, shop how local. How for you, man? Support local businesses while I'm eating a Big Mac at McDonald's, basically. Like, <laughs> just like, just like, like, hey, I'm supporting the local Target. I mean, it's not even run by a regional guy. It's like a corporate guy in there, but I, I don't know. I mean... I, I I didn't know where you stood on that. I saw your one tweet about it. And I, that was the entire basis. I, I'm not. I don't want to like. It's hard not to attack her like personally because I I think a lot of the stuff she says has rubbed me the wrong way like personally. So I've tried I I've tried to like stay away from it. But that dictatorship stuff. I'm like I, I cannot believe you are that. Tone deaf. Yeah. And I knew an apology was coming, but I'm like, how many times are you going to do this thing where you say something and then you need to apologize for it and you're embarrassing your husband? She did it. With, I mean, another thing that I cut that I could have, you know, we had so many that I cut, but I cut the issue with standing up for the national anthem where she came out the, railing against the, 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 the kneeling. Yeah. And then another thing she apologized for. It's, it's so funny because it's like the people that were defending her for the dictatorship comment, which typically conservatives, you know, more than the far right variety, but they're so vehemently defending her. She backed off from that in like half an hour. So it's like, even if you agreed with her, it's like, okay, now you pissed off everybody. It's, I, I don't know if you ever watched that family guy episode where uh, Brian goes on Bill Maher and, you know, he's just like, what do you want me to say? I'm sorry. And Bill Maher's just telling him like, you know what? It's at least like stand by your sack of shit. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, you wrote this book. It's a sack of shit. Don't like apologize for the sack of shit. She throws out all this shit and then like apologizes for the shit. So it's like even that like as crazy as Alex Jones is, that guy goes down with that ship every time. He really like, does. Yeah. Really goes down <laughs> yeah, with that ship. <laughs> that guy is drowned a thousand times over. But yeah. it's like at least for his crazy sect of that five to ten percent of the population, it's like they can ride or die with him every time. They usually die. Yeah. But it's like sure. her, she has no fort. There's no base because it's like. Okay, you pissed off everyone when you said the dumb thing. And then, like, the small people, group of people that agreed with the dumb thing, they can't be with you now because you just apologized for the dumb thing. So now you're nowhere. Now everyone dislikes you. I, I really think most people would give her a pass if it was the first or the second or the third time. But, again, we're talking about, like, you know, Stafford's been here for 10 years. How many times has this happened? 
How many times has she been in the news? How many times has she made TMZ? I just like you can you can you learn from your mistakes at least just once? Just just bite your tongue. I it's I, not this. her job. It's like I was <sighs> mad when Baker, you know, just on principle, when Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel were in the news every 10 minutes for s- stupid stuff. But at least it's like their life to create the chaos around. Yeah. She's doing this. She she has no qualifications at all. She was just a pretty girl that married this guy with qualifications. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's just, it's bizarre. It really makes me want to drink, which is the perfect segue. (laughs) This is a a fantastic segue (laughs) to to go from, from angry Isaac to, to alcohol. This is perfect. Well, our second sponsor for the first show back, good friends of mine. Uh, It's, it's the best wine in my opinion uh, that I've had in a long time. It is the smuggler's son. It is Virgil's Vineyard. Good friends of the show. Good friends of mine. I know the owners. Um, they're just Matthew Kipper and, and his wife, Jennifer. Wonderful people. Local company. They are born and raised uh, Michiganders and uh, grew up with them in Farmington Hills. Wonderful, wonderful people. The wine isn't made here. It's made out in Napa, but they live here about half the year. Still Michigan, homegrown. It is just the best wine. It's, it's If you like kind of the dry Cabernet, which is my favorite. It's awesome. I don't, are you a wine drinker, Isaac? I am not, and I've been out to Napa, and I didn't drink any It's wine. phenomenal. I was going to offer you a bottle on your way out, and so I'll give you a hug instead, but check them out. My, my awesome. wife will take it. She's a huge wine I'll, gi- I'll give it to you. You can have, I, believe me, my cellar has like 97 bottles of Smuggler's Sun, and it used to be a lot more, but I drank them. So uh, they're awesome. Check them out. Uh, Virgilsvineyard.com. Wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful wine. Highly, highly recommend. They're phenomenal. Let's get off the lions. Let's stop talking about things that make me want to drink and All talk right. about Whew. things. Let me, let me take a deep breath yes. after, after that one. You can take a lap. <laughs> so, so let's talk about something, at least for me, it's a little bit happier. The Michigan State Spartans, specifically the football program, Mel Tucker, this has been the most up and down season ever. This team, ever. This team either gets destroyed they, they lose by 40 or 50 points, or they win as a multiple double-digit underdog. It, it, it's a bizarre season. I, where do you stand? They talk about the process, the process, the process. Where do you stand on Mel Tucker? Do you like what they're doing? Do you buy him being the long-term answer? I think it says, and you've, you, you said it, it, it says a lot about him that he can get absolutely trucked I, I, I think we should forgive him that first game. They really hadn't practiced. You know, they had to sit out, I think, two weeks. Turnovers are fluky. Because of COVID. And Rutgers stinks. That, that's fine. It was his first game yep. in a very weird season. So I'm going to, like, forget that game. But they got trucked by Iowa, and that was embarrassing, and that was a really bad football game. But he beats Michigan, and who knows what Michigan is this year. They're clearly not very good and they're they're in shambles right but he still beats the in-state rival gets trucked then comes back and beats i don't know how good northwestern is they're a good team they're a good team they're probably not great yeah they're not a they're not a great team and he he puts in and says we're gonna run the ball against this awesome defensive team and somehow they do it I, they don't have the players in place right now. He needs to bring in some offensive linemen. He needs to bring in some team speed. Mark D'Antonio was an incredible coach, but those last few years were bad. 
as bad as I don't know if it was as bad as John L. Smith. I don't want to go that route, but it was. I mean, some of those games were were unwatchable. I think Mel Tucker is going to be really good. I am I'm all in on on Mel Tucker, and I know it's early, and I know that he. I mean, this has been a very like bizarre season, but the fact that he was able to beat Michigan, the fact I think I was just as impressed with the Northwestern game as I was with, with the Michigan game, because obviously Northwestern is a better team. Northwestern looked very good going into that game. I'm, I'm really impressed. I, I don't know. He'll, I don't know if he'll ever be as good as Mark D'Antonio was, or I don't know if he'll ever see the success Mark D'Antonio saw, but I think he's, I think he's a very good coach and I, I'm all in. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the Tucker train I'm all in on the every time I see him with a cigar. Um, like you know, I people don't see like your entire like studio and like, but you have that painting of the Paul Bunyan with Mel Tucker. You know, like in in the passenger seat. That's just that's just beautiful. He's playing up to to the fan base. He's yeah. he's playing up. He knows just how much that game means to Michigan State you know, alumni and fans and, you know, former players. I love it, man. I really do. I, I, I realize it is very early and especially in this weird season to, to jump on the Mel Tucker bandwagon, but uh, I'm, I'm there, man. I'm, I'm with there. you. I'm with you as evidenced by the fact that I have not one, but two paintings. Two, two. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, I wish you guys could see it. It's, it's, it is wild. There's, there's, there have been two commission paintings for the studio already. So if that shows you my level of emotional investment of the guy, I think he goes through a very narrow uh, gap and there, it's a very hard balance to strike, but I think he's going to be one of those guys where He's no nonsense, doesn't put up with any shit from his players, doesn't take any bullshit, doesn't take any slacking. Your ass is not going to play. You know, Elijah Collins, you were the leading rusher, one of the best freshmen in the whole country last year. Yeah. Oh, you don't look at in camp, fuck you. You know, you're out. Yeah. Not only are you the backup, you're the third or fourth string. I'm going to give you two carries in the first two weeks. Fuck that was you. really surprising. We were stunned. Like, what are they doing with Elijah Collins? Then it comes out, oh, he was a little slow, was a little out of shape. Yeah, out He's of shape. And it's like, Oh, okay. So Mel Tucker's not fucking around. He doesn't care about your resume. And he openly says that. It's like, how good were you in practice this week? There's no spot in the depth chart that's locked in. So he's got that kind of like no nonsense, Patricia side. But the other side, yeah, right, the, the King Kong. <laughs> but the other side is the players love him. That's not what we saw with Matt Patricia. And the best example of it is half a mile up the road in Tom Izzo with the basketball program where. The guy's being chided by the national media. Deadspin, ESPN wants Tom Izzo to, to be strung up, uh, drawn, and quartered for yelling at Aaron Henry in the tournament two years ago. And I, such an overreaction. Yes, God. but Aaron Henry himself and all the players are like, "Oh, I love that. Like that's you know that's he's making me grow. He's making me better." Like you have the occasional like Chris Allen, like Derek Sherman that have made kind of snide remarks on their way out the door because they were booted out of the program yeah. unceremoniously. But for the most part, 99% of the guys take up for him. That seems to be the case with Mel Tucker. So it's like, he's got that rare. It's very rare in sports where no nonsense. I run a tight ship, but my players will go through a wall for me. That combined with the recruiting is why I buy it. The concern for me is, and I guess it's a good problem to have, but if they pop, I see him SEC. You, th you think so? That's my fear. I'm not saying I'm convinced of it. But if they go, let's say, I mean, this year, whatever, throw it out. But let's say they go like eight and four next year. 
not great or whatever. Next year they go year three, they go ten and two. He's going to be getting calls up the ass considering how bad this program was, and he's already shown he'll take the raise. Yeah, I mean he'll even a second for for more money. And the SEC is a bigger, better conference than the Big Ten. Big Ten's good. It's not the SEC. He's got a lot of SEC ties. I know he's a Big Ten guy by trade coming up, but he's got SEC ties. Georgia, Alabama, they have more money. They but have, he has Michigan State ties too. He does. Yeah. But d- does Georgia have a, a deeper pocketbook than Michigan State? They certainly do. Yeah. Alabama's going to be looking for a replacement for – I mean, Saban's in his 70s. He's going to be out in two or three years, I, I think. I, mean, I don't yeah. think he's going Joe Paterno, 84 years old. So, you know, I, I just that's my fear. Do you think Mel Tucker's here five years from now? Yeah, I do. You do? I, really, I hope you're right. I, I don't know Mel Tucker's history probably as well as other Spartan fans, but I, I really think I, I'd be shocked, actually, if he, if he leaves. Maybe he leaves if they, you know, they make the college football playoff five, six years down the line, then he makes that jump to an LSU or or an Alabama, like you said. But five years from now, I, I would be stunned. 2025, he's still going to be the coach at Michigan State. I hope you're right. Because the thing is, the bargain, D'Antonio being here 13 years is extremely rare for any program. So I, I'm not going to hate Mel Tucker if he's here for seven, eight years and then bounces. I mean, that's yeah. like, thanks. It does a good job. How, how many years was Saban at, at State? Oh, three or four. 95 maybe to four. 99 maybe four maybe four i know they were kind of middling and then they went nine and three his last year and then he bounced but it was it was pretty clear i mean this is 20 plus years ago it was pretty clear that saban you know had his eyes like elsewhere and also that he was a coach that you know his pedigree could take him like, yes so he was else. considered I a savant i don't know if mel tucker has that same kind of nick saban like pedigree who knows i think there's a chance i really think i'd like to see how he recruits if he recruits really well i think that's going to be the thing that attracts a lot of the sec schools right oh yeah i mean that's, I, he's gonna get calls if they do well here it's a good problem to have it's just whether he takes the call and then leaves did did d'antonio really so d'antonio was a was a good coach after like you know the first few years but he never really got that type of sec interest right I'm trying to. There was there were not SEC. There were Texas rumors, um, like five years ago. I think it was after they fired Charlie Strong. We have to look into that. Yeah, there were like actual Texas rumors, but I don't recall any SEC buzz. But Texas, maybe maybe him going back to South Carolina just because he you know he played football there. Yeah, Yeah, but like not not Alabama LSU, but they also didn't. I guess LSU did have one opening, but. It's it's just I no, the answer is no. I, I don't think there was SEC buzz, but you know, I don't know. I mean, the difference is D'Antonio wasn't seen as an elite recruiter. They had one good recruiting class and half of them ended up in jail. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the one year we had a top twenty recruiting class, everyone was like, Oh my God. Antonio took all these one and two stars and coached them up. Yeah. What is he going to do with these four and five stars? It's like, well, he bailed them out, maybe. <laughs> Wait, so let's talk about Mel Tucker for a second. Yeah. When do you think he breaks through to win um, the Big Ten? Does he break through to win the Big Ten? It's so tough to predict any team but Ohio State ever winning the Big Ten. Yeah. So, but, you know, they're not going to win it 15 years in a row. So somebody's going to pop them at some point, even if, you know, they're in the title game every year. At some point, any given Saturday, they're going to lose. I, I think he can be, 
on the doorstep, if not in Indianapolis. Year four. By year four. I, year four. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because yep. by year four, he's got almost all his guys. It's like he's basically just the inherited freshmen are now seniors. It's all his guys. He's already recruiting pretty well when you consider all the disadvantages. Yeah, the, the offensive linemen he's bringing in are are big, yeah, yes. big dudes, man. And I kind of like that. Did you see his quote about when they asked him about all the big recruits he's getting? No. Did you see his – he had a great quote. I mean, it's paraphrased now. But they asked him, like, man, every recruit you get, not just the linemen. It's like the cornerbacks are like 6'2", like 200 pounds, but they're huge. And he said, yeah, you know, the speed stuff is fun, but all I know is I watch the college football playoff every year, and it's a bunch of big dudes, and the, the little team get, gets pushed around. It's yeah. like you get that, like, Washington team has to play Bama, and they just get steamrolled. It's like I, I don't want he want he, the point is he's thinking big. He's thinking, oh, that, I don't I don't want to win the Big Ten. I want to win the national title. Yeah. Which is I, awesome. I, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love I love Mel Tucker. Oh, I, yeah. And We're this in. is this <laughs> is this is so like We're this in. is such Michigan State like homerism. <laughs> yeah. But him just winning, I mean, we none of us thought like we thought Michigan was actually a good team. Yes. We didn't know anything about that Minnesota team. You know, we didn't realize at that the Minnesota time that was, Minnesota was, was considered like yeah, really but, impressive. Yeah, and <laughs> that was that just felt so good yeah. <laughs> to see him win that game when they scored that first touchdown. The Ricky White to go up seven nothing. I was like, no, it's not yeah, it's, it's not yeah, happening, like, right? Like, yeah. It's like this is gonna be those games where like. You score first, and then there was that DK Metcalf game in college where he had the big touchdown against Alabama. It was like a seventy-eight yard touchdown catch. It was an incredible play, and they go up seven nothing. And you look at the final score of that game; it was like fifty-two to seven. <laughs> they scored, they scored I um, I went on a podcast I think two days before the game or the day before the game, and I think I picked forty-eight seventeen. I was like, I would be shocked if it if it was within four touchdowns. I uh, yeah. So I was I, it was the ultimate. Egg on my face moment, and I loved it. I was oh like, yeah. This was, yeah, this was it was. I am so happy to be wrong about that. You can crack all the eggs on my head. Yeah, the chicken can take a dump on my face. <laughs> I, I said I wouldn't take That's very graphic. Well, sorry, but you know, loose uh, show here. But no, I mean, I said openly, like you to even get the wheels turning on my head to bet that game. I needed like twenty five points, not even twenty four. Like I needed twenty five, so I would win. You know the thirty four ten loss. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so that's where I stood. It's like nobody saw that coming. Nobody, nobody, nobody I, I, saw I, it coming. I couldn't find anybody. Yeah. There was nobody. The only people I saw say anything, even in the galaxy of true, there were a couple people that were like, "Oh, you never know, rivalry game. They might keep it close." No one predicted a win. Yeah, and that there was something fluky about the win. And they all, they all played them. It was really like a ten point win. I mean, yeah. that, that was the typical prevent defense. You know, at the end to, for Michigan to cut it down to three, but. That was like basically a, a dominant win. It was just yeah. stunning. Mel Tucker, if you're watching, I love you. Don't leave. Mel Tucker's a wonderful human being. Yes. He's a great Please guy. Please don't leave. <laughs> Mel, quick, really quick story with him. I, you know, I run uh, with a few other people in nursing home in West Bloomfield, and um, we did a, a video, like a tribute video. We, we paid like some people on Cameo to do it and stuff, uh, like celebrities to do like a trip for the staff. It was just like a hey, hang in there kind of thing. But we also had a lot of local celebrities that just like donated a little video. Jennifer Hammond Fox did it. So Darian Harris, you know, who works for Michigan State now, a former captain of the football team, linebacker, great player for Michigan State for many years. Um, he's been in studio a couple times. Great guy. I sent him a message about, you know, hey, would Mel be willing to do this? We had it back that day. 
he's like, really. So yeah, he went up to Mel and was like, "Hey, you know, my buddies and you know, working in a nursing home." He recorded a nice like thirty second thing. We got it back. It was not even twenty four hours later. Just saying, "Hey, hang in there." And so I mean, just that that was a really spoke well. Love you, Mel. We want. <laughs> love, you can't tell. You, we're on, we're on the Mel Tucker train. Hopefully, no one pulls this tape up in three years and we just look like clowns. Yeah. So I, I want to end with the state thing really quick on Mark D'Antonio. Just we don't have to go into the deep dive because it's been litigated, but your perception of him, I still love him. He's still on my wall over your shoulder. He's, he's in my wall outside. Still love him. But the way he left, it taints the legacy a little bit. There's some damage there. Where are you at? No, no, no. I, I'm with you. It taints the legacy just a little bit. Yes. I don't, I'm not one of those people that I'm not going to like kill him just no. because he, I don't think people realize how bad Michigan State football was prior to him coming. I, I've gone back and forth on this. Tom Izzo is the, the, the best coach in Michigan State athletic history. He's better than Duffy Doherty. He's better than Biggie Mon, Judd Heathcote, whoever. But Mark D'Antonio is the most important coach because I, I really think that football team that f- was a, an abomination. Nobody wanted to watch them. The, the fans were so like depressed about, about them because, you know, Nick Saban had, had gotten them kind of rising. And then Bobby Williams came in and then John L. Smith literally fell off that mountain. You know, he, he, he buried them. So what Mark D'Antonio did was, something none of us can ever forget. And that's why I'm, I just, I can't bring myself to kill him, but the way that, especially that last year. And I think the way he left, I think rubs a lot of people the wrong way, me included. Yeah. And it hurts. It, I, I think it hurts a lot of us. Um, the way, the way it went down, maybe not even just that last year, maybe even like the last two years, but I, I'm not going to kill him. He, he won the Big Ten, what, three times? Yes. And, I mean, the college football playoff to me is more impressive yeah. than anything else. It's so hard to make. Every year it's just Clemson, Bama, and, you know, Ohio State and, like, a mix in an Oregon every now and then. He made the, 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 the game. The, there were so many memorable games with, with him at the helm. I mean, even the loss against Wisconsin in, in the Big Ten, you know, title game where they they, they had rough, the game. They they rough the punter. You know they get the 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 punt return. I mean even that is memorable. But like the, the Iowa game, they they go on a sixteen play drive or something, and it ends with you know LG. Like those things are like etched in, in my memory. So I can't I can't bring myself to kill him. But I like the way the way it ended. Just I think rubs a, a lot of us the wrong way. It was just a shame, a terrible ending to a great story. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm not in the burn him to the ground, Mike Volani crowd on that. I, no, that's just insane. No, no way. That's that's People, Mike, that's your boy Volani. No, no, I said. mean that's not my boy. <laughs> I mean that, that's <laughs> probably closer. Probably closer. Wait, so in 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 the the lexicon of Michigan State athletic coaches, where does he rank? I really think it's. It's Tom Izzo, and then it's him. Izzo absolutely has to be number one because of longevity. Yes. He has the national title. So that's just, you know, I, I feel like you can't be one without the national title. So yeah. it's like then you go into, okay, Biggie Mon, Duffy Doherty, uh, Judd Heathcote, and uh, Tom Izzo. So you have to be working from there. Um, you know, but just 
those other guys were there for Heathcote was there for a long time, but like the football coaches were there like eight years, nine yeah. years. I mean, Doug Doherty was important to college football overall. Not to denigrate them, but it's yeah, like yeah. Izzo's got to be number one. Yeah, I really think it's Izzo and D'Antoni. I, I really think Izzo is the greatest yep. coach, but Mark D'Anto- what Mark D'Antonio did was just so important. He put Michigan State back. He made them relevant when they hadn't been relevant. They hadn't gone. They hadn't been competitive for a Big Ten title yep. since, what, 80 87, I, maybe like in the early 90s, I think they may have had one good year with with Perlis, but he, he made them relevant, man. I, I just, I can't bring myself, I can't you. bring myself to kill him. I'm with you, totally. I just, he's, he's good in my book. So we're going to move to the final segment in just a moment. I want to hit like 45 seconds on Troy Weaver, the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're doing. I I I am a huge Pistons fan. I don't know who is on the on the roster, and I meant to look because they <laughs> well, announced the 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 squad. Yeah. like the it's like twenty seven deep though. Yeah, I mean, Angelo balls on there. It's like <laughs> we I, got the crappy yeah. ball. <laughs> you you yeah, we got there's three balls and we got the worst ball. So you know it's like it, it's just I, I don't know what to make of what they're doing. I I didn't want to do a deep dive on the Pistons anyway, so I guess it's good you weren't prepared for that yeah. segment. But it's like I just I just wanted to g- generally ask you if you like Troy Weaver and like what he's doing because he's doing a lot. I of like things. I like that somebody actually cares and somebody was like what we were doing wasn't working. Yep, let's do something. I don't know if it's good, but at least he's doing something. And I really think Jeremy Grant is a steal. At, at the at the the price that big they got money, him, uh, big money twenty. I really for, think he's. I think he's about to blow up. He's got to do more than he, we've seen from him. That's yeah. Sure. yeah. I mean, but like the situation in in Denver, he was never going to get the ball. I mean, they had they have Jokic, they have uh, they have Murray. When is he going? He can't dominate the ball in the for them. So I, I really I think he's I think he's going to be. And at least I'm excited. About the Pistons, like I had season tickets this past year, and literally I was more excited about getting sausage. <laughs> I would spend time eating sausage instead of like watching, <laughs> instead of watching the game. I mean, I have the sausage king <laughs> thing on right now, and I, you know, I love basketball. I love the Pistons, but I mean, like they're just they were they couldn't compete they with the sausage. I don't. Know. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> It's uh, you said it exactly right. I don't know if I like what they're doing. I just like that they're doing. Yeah, like it, they're, they're not on the that news. hamster wheel. I yeah. mean, on that draft night, the piss. I mean, no the Pistons scared. were a top five story yes. from from draft night, and that was great, man. I I, I love I love I love hearing. And I don't think we're going to. I don't think we're going to do anything soon. I think it's going to be two or three years before they could even. Oh yeah, you know, crack the playoffs. But and I don't think Blake Griffin works for this roster. Frankly, I don't even think Derrick Rose works for this roster. So they should just, I mean, the idea is play a bunch of young guys, yep. you know, give them experience and see, you know, give Seku, see if Seku's, you know, the next Giannis and and see what and see what happens. That's what I'm, I'm more excited to watch young players lose than watch Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose barely make the playoffs or yep. win 40, 41 games, you know? Nobody that that sucks. I was at that 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 Milwaukee playoff game, and it was it that entire series was barely competitive. It was it was hard to watch. 
it's they're they have been a terrible organization for 15 years. Yes. Totally directionless. They were a, a team that their entire goal, whether they said it or not, I can just base on what I'm seeing with their actions. Their entire goal was to squeak into the playoffs and get blasted. Yeah. Everything they did was let's win 42 to 44 games. And sometimes they didn't even do that. That was when they failed. But their idea of success was just getting into the playoffs. And yeah. Tom, Tom Gores had some bad quotes about, you know, oh, we want to be in the playoffs. Well, no, he doesn't. But it's like <laughs> these owners, like the Fords, we want to be in playoff contention. Tom Gores, we want to make the playoffs. It's like, ain't that hard to make the playoffs in the NBA, pal. You're in the Eastern Conference and half the shitty conference makes yeah. it. So like, okay, maybe you're one, but like we're in year five of you being here. Can we elevate the expectations a little bit? Yeah. But, you know, whatever. So that's that's all I had on the Pistons. Also, I mean, I, I think we both didn't like Andre Drummond. And there was just like a lot of, there was nobody that we wanted to cheer for. And I don't know if we, if Roy Weaver has changed that. I don't know if we have some like likable players, but at least we have young players. And yes. I, and I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited they, that they finally got rid of Andre Drummond. I was sick of watching him. I was sick of going to games and watching him just jog up the court and get his, you know, offensive rebounds from shots that he was missing, right? You're like, okay, yep. sure, man. You're putting up 18, 20 rebounds. Half of them are on your missed shots. Whatever. I, I don't want to get – I'll get way too uh, animated. We can we can talk after the show about the time he attacked me or tried to attack me at a Pistons game. And yeah, I, I, I recall this. Yeah, he was restrained by Reggie Jackson because I was pantomiming underhanded free throws. This was back before he became like somewhat respectable at the line. Yeah. He was still shooting like 38% or whatever it was. And I was sitting Did on, you get banned from Pistons games? I was told that um, if I have another confrontation, I would be banned. Oh, wow. But my only sin was uh, pantomime. I wasn't swearing. I wasn't even yelling. I was literally pantomime. There's video of it. Yeah. Pantomiming underhanded free throws and saying, give it a try. That almost got me banned. So security would talk to me because this happened a couple different games. The one he only attacked me once, but, but thank God. But it was bad. He was like six feet from me before the charge. <laughs> like He was already only like maybe two feet farther back from me than you are now. And then there was a couple very um, purposeful steps forward. So and there's tape of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... It, that's, and you jumped off the, the... You said you wouldn't support the Pistons... Until well, he was gone. Until he was gone. Yeah, that was in my Twitter header for a while. And, and it wasn't just... I, I, I think that was in there before that incident. I It had nothing to do with, like, you know, a personal thing with him coming after me. It made for a great story. Thank God it was on tape. It was on Fox Sports. I mean, it's, yeah. It being, like, held back. Um, but uh, it wasn't because of that. It's just he was such a lackadaisical player. He's the, the definition of a fake franchise player. Fake and franchise player. And the Pistons player. apologists would say, like, oh, he's, you know, no one says he's a franchise player. I'm like, the Pistons do. They're paying him max money. He's the one on the billboards. He's yeah. the one on the cover of the program. If that doesn't make you the franchise player, you're the highest paid guy on the team. You're on all the billboards. You're in all the ad stuff. You are the franchise player. Just because you're not one doesn't mean you're not being presented as one. And they, yeah. he was he never fit. He can be the third or fourth best player on a really good team. If he's your best player or even second that's, best player. That's gag worthy. You suck. Yeah. And that was demonstrated. So anyway, Pistons, I whatever. I'm, I'm with you. I, I like that they're in, going in some kind of direction and not just spinning in circles. So, I, I, I'll say this. I, I think Killian Hayes is a really good pick. That's who I wanted. And I think he's going to be really good. I'm with you. Yeah. 
Yep. We agreed on a lot more. I was ready. I had my gloves out. I was ready to grab the sword off the wall. It, it, has, <laughs> it has, hasn't been necessary. I mean, we agreed on the Venn diagram has a lot more in the center than I anticipated. This would have been more interesting if you hated everything I said, but you're, you know, you're even smarter. I than think, I I think we, we definitely disagree on, on some stuff with the lines. And I think it's more of, I think my outlook on life kind of like, um, like is is same like with the lions in that like I try to be positive, but like I know that yeah. <laughs> I know deep down this isn't this isn't going to, going to work. So yeah, I I'm I'm definitely a little more positive, and I'll definitely rant. So it's like I'm yin well, and yang with that. If it makes you feel any better, you have a lot of company on the optimistic side of my cynicism. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, not, there's, not, there's, there's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of people like more cynical. I mean, it's, it's, I look behind me, I just see a wall. You, everything's in front of me. So it's like, you're out with all the, the people I'm, I'm on against the wall saying, I can't stand any of this stuff, but you know, yet I love it at the same time, which is why I have a show and talk about this stuff and watch every game. So I, we're, we're done with all the big stuff. We're going to get into the fun stuff. You know, there's a couple of things I want to hit. There will be sports involved in this, but I had to mix in some non-sports stuff. This is something we do on the Spiro Avenue show. We have the new show off the curb. Stay tuned. It'll be fun. It's short. It's sweet. It's just my pretty face. With the Wait, g- tell me about this other show. The other show is going to be, uh, it's called Off the Curb. It's going to be 25, 30 minutes long. It's going to be just me. So if you hate me and you only tune in for my guests, probably not your cup of tea. <laughs> but it's going to be a lot more clip-based. So there, I'm going to be, you know, those 100 clips I wanted to pull at Kelly Stafford. I might do one show, 30 minutes, just ripping on Kelly Stafford. I like it. And all the clips would be in it. But, you know, it's going to be sort of a, a an overview. Everyone and their brothers trying to do like John Oliver and stuff. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not really trying to do anything. It's just here's what's going on and here's my reaction to okay. it. It'll be a lot shorter. This show, I like to have a couple big topics. We've covered them. And then what we've done in the past with our previous 10 guests in this format is something called the speed round. My friend John Wharton pitched this idea. I loved it. We've done it ever since. So we're just going to hit some topics. There's no word limit. There's no time limit. We're not gimmicky. There's no buzzer going off. But just as a general rule, try to keep it short. And okay. this, is, this, is, this is the floor is yours. I'll only give you my opinion if, you know. The speed, you ask the speed round with Isaac, arguably the slowest, <laughs> the slowest person. But yeah, sure. Well, you can talk faster, maybe than you can run. <laughs> so we'll start first. Sports related out the gate. We all know the situation in this town. Hopefully, changing soon. The next team in Detroit to win a title, pro team. I am going to say the Red Wings. Yeah. Why? Give I'm me like, like one sentence. Because why. I. Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman's pe- pedigree is just he's won he's won everywhere. He's won with the he's won with the Lightning. He won with Team Canada. He won with the Red Wings. I I, I would I if I had to bet and I don't bet on sports, I'm going I'm going with the Red Wings. It's a subjective question. I'm saying you're objectively correct for all the yeah. reasons you said. I totally agree. Next one. Jim Harbaugh, a little bit of Michigan. Very brief. Oh, God. Boo. Has Jim Harbaugh been a failure? We got the wrong graphic up. Has, has Jim Harbaugh been a failure at Michigan? There he is. There's his dopey face. Has Jim Harbaugh been a failure at the University of Michigan? I, I mean, the only answer is yes. The, I, I don't understand how anyone could defend saying no. He didn't. He hasn't beaten uh, Ohio State. He has a 500 record against. Michigan State. He's never even gone to the Big Ten title game. I, I, how is he not a failure? He's a failure. 
I agree. Two for two. Yeah. I know. How could you argue? How could you argue against that? I, well, I don't know where these people stand now, but I mean, as of last year, I had multiple Michigan people, Ant Wright, Chris Castellani, none of them called Jim Harbaugh a failure. None of them. Jack, Jack, my buddy, Jack Johnson. I mean, it, they, they didn't say they were thrilled. Wait, with I know this is a speed round, but like, what's, what's the defense? The defense is that he's better than Rich Rod. He's better than Brady Hope. The, the defense, That's, the common defense is Michigan was never that 11, 12 in program, which is true, but that's you sold this whole thing as being an elevation to that. So you're you're moving the goalposts after the fact. But, you know, he's returned them. It's the Joel Klatt defense. He says the same thing. He's returned them to that 9, 10 win ceiling that they were at before. Now, after this season, even if you prorate the wins, I mean, he's more like averaging eight wins a year. But, I mean, you know? the, but how you know. could you call someone – like I don't know if they're calling him a success, but he. There have been how many other teams have gone to the Big Ten championship game, and he hasn't. I mean, he came within one play, I guess, in 2016. That was his his high mark, and it's been down since then. I I, I don't see how any you can make a logical argument for him being a success. He is a not only a failure and like a total failure. Sorry, I know this is the speed round. No, I'm I agree. just I'm. Hey, if you want to yell, you can go for 13 yeah, minutes. If no, you no, want. I, mean, I mean Jim Harbaugh stinks. I, yeah, so I. They actually deserve better. They they uh, Michigan fans deserve. Well, I mean, like, do they really deserve better? No, no, I mean, like, I I really do think they deserve a better coach. Well, for the money they're paying. So yeah. anyway, you're a big food guy. Yes, had to talk about it at least once. Can you see my stomach? Yeah, make sure your stomach's in the shot. So last meal on death row, like you're, you're, oh, you're wow. they're, they're gonna they're gonna shoot you with the juice like in six hours. It's five a.m. Do I get to pick a place or am I just picking the food? No, you can pick. Like my answer, really quickly, is like, don't say anything. I love Little Caesars pizza, and then like I saw little. Was there Little Caesars pizza upstairs? Those are my kids. I didn't have it tonight. But <laughs> <laughs> those are actually those are actually for my kids, but it could have been mine because that's you know any given night. That's that's my favorite. It's a long story, but you can say like Little Caesars pizza with ice cream from you know Saunders, so you can kind of like mix and match. Every time people ask me about like favorite food, I go all over the place, but I I am a big like fried chicken and tacos person, so I don't care where they're from. I will eat tacos and fried chicken on. Like it, on my deathbed, I would I would eat both of those things, no questions asked. I don't I don't care if it's like spicy. I'll I will eat both of those things any time of day, and especially like on death row. It's like a big bucket of chicken oh, and uh, like a plate of tacos. Not now, like I don't want to drool on the microphone, <laughs> but I mean, this well, good is thing like, you're sitting like ten inches away from it. No, you're almost outside of the studio. You're sitting so far so far back. <laughs> good thing you speak loudly. John Wharton was like. Doing this, he's like talking off to the side. No one could hear what the fuck he was saying. I get to like lean forward. Yeah, luckily you speak loudly. Yeah, I don't know. I have a very, uh, I have a very loud voice. I tried to like contain myself and be like professional, but then we got into the Kelly Stafford stuff, and I'm like, all right, I can't. I'm thrilled you agree with me. <laughs> so yeah, you're not a librarian like John Warren. You talk louder. So all right, little pop culture. Most overrated movie in the world. Uh oh my. Forrest Gump? Ooh. Possibly. I like I, that's Forrest like Gump. just off the top of my head. I, I mean, think about the movies that were up for um, 
that were up for the Oscar that yeah, year. Yeah, Shawshank. Shawshank. Yeah. And Pulp, Pulp Fiction yeah. is probably my favorite movie. Yeah, Ben, so our I've, producer, I've always, Pulp Fiction. And I actually think Forrest Gump is a is a good movie, but like when people talk about it as one of the best movies, I'm like, eh, it's, it's whatever. So it's okay. It was the third best movie that year. Yeah. So I, I can't really put it in the in this like in this Mount Rushmore like conversation. I, I, I wish I could come up with like another movie off the top of my head. I can't think of I don't know. That's all right. I mean whatever, that works. It is a speed round, so you're not supposed to have prepared answers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a prepared answer. Hopefully I'm gonna be driving home and be like, Oh, I should have said you're this. You're gonna call me call me up. We yeah. do have a, we do have a call in line, so you can call me up. We'll be in the you know, post rap show here. So Moving on, I know you're not the cynic I am, but you're certainly tortured as I am. Mm. Your worst moment as a Detroit sports fan. I may have mentioned it earlier, but I was at the game that ushered in the Matt Millen era. The Paul Edinger 53, somebody can fact check me, it was either 53 or 54 yards. I was sitting in the end zone where the, the, um, the kick came. So they lost that game. And it was the the aftermath, so it was a Christmas Eve game. The aftermath of that game was disgusting. The players were leaving the field, and people were throwing stuff at the players. And then, you know, the fights broke out, like, everywhere. It, I was 18 at the time. I, I am still scarred. I am scarred from that game. It ruined Christmas. I... I I don't think I've ever looked at the Lions the same after that game. I will. I do have. I know this is a speed round. I do have another one. I was listening to the the Green Bay Detroit playoff game where Sterling Sharp got behind um, um, the defense last forty seconds of the game. I was listening in the car, and I locked the keys in the car. I got so mad. I I got out of the car, slammed the door, locked the keys. Um, in the car, my dad was really pissed off at me. So that kind of was an addendum, like to, to the <laughs> yes, fact. those are my. T- yeah. I have so many like bad lions moments, but those two like stick out. We've done that one like five times, and you're the first one to not mention David Ortiz putting uh, Tory Hunter in a somersault. Oh God, <laughs> so that one was four for four until tonight. Like, yeah, that would always brings that, that so one brutal. up. Uh, I mean, also Rashid Wallace leaving Robert Ori uh, open is is possibly the stupidest. From a smart player, that was such a stupid play. That was so damaging because that cost them a title. Yeah, no, no, it, they, they win. They win the title. They win they the win. title. Yeah. They win the. T- I, I, I firmly believe a hundred percent that they win the title. Yep, 100%. and they still almost won the title. They were up, they were up like seven, nine points or something in that in that third, fourth quarter of game seven. They were never up that. No, not that's not true. They were tied going into the fourth quarter of game seven, but they, they you're saying they didn't have a lead in the third quarter. You said they had a seven or nine point lead in the fourth quarter of game seven. How many sausages do you want to bet on that? Uh Oh, can somebody fact check us? <laughs> I don't know. Ben, Ben, I don't know if Ben can look this up or not, but we, we how about after the show? We'll look that up. Yeah, I don't know. I'll let's give, but, let's the, put a sausage on the it. Over <laughs> on, the over I'll give you the over under at five and a half points. Okay. Wait, where are we Biggest saying in the, in the fourth quarter or in the third quarter? You said the fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll go. I I think it was the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter. They were, I think there was. They were tied after three quarters. Okay, whatever. But sausage out at five yes. and a half. Yes, five and from half. From the sausage. So we're gonna game. have to pull up the game log from 05. Nice. I, I never thought I'd be tonight looking up the game log from Game Seven from the 2005. NBA but anyway, finals. they should have won. They should have been back to back. Yes, champs. So anyway, we agree on that. Talk talking about things we hate. Your most hated. Detroit athlete ever. 
Oh, wow. Who do you just have contempt for? I really don't like, I mean, we already talked about him. I really don't like Andre Drummond. I am trying to think of someone in the lat. Yeah, it's it's probably Andre Drummond. Drummond worse than Prince Fielder for you? No, no, no. I, 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 Prince Fielder stunk, but I don't have that kind of animosity towards toward him. No, oh, fair it's, enough. No, I, I really think it's it, it's Andre Drummond, and I, I'm sure that's kind of like a outlier for people. Yeah, you're in good company with this uh, studio. I, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, I know. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm sure I've hated a bunch of Lions players in the past, but I mean, just like somebody recently. It's, it's who who was the uh, yeah. guy who he, flipped off the tiger that flipped off everybody? Dominic Grayola. But okay. I liked him. He was a he was a total jamoke, but like he actually cared and had you know he was kind of like the Isaac of the Detroit Lions. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, he flew he off. Was, the, he was kind of fat and round. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even mean. I didn't even mean that. People. I didn't even mean that. He really did flip <laughs> off fans, though. I do multiple that. times. Yeah, yeah. He would he'd be flicking them off, like walking off the field. And it's funny the year that they went zero sixteen. I was at the uh, the last game was at Lambeau to go in sixteen, but I can't remember who they played in week fifteen. Or week sixteen, it would have been the fifteenth game. But I was at Ford Field with my dad. So they lose the games, oh eight, and their own fifteen, and all the fans are screaming. And Rayola is pointing at him, and this guy takes off his jersey and throws it at him. Oh it's, wow! Yeah, it's just—I mean, it's a jersey, and it didn't even come within twenty yards of him. But it just—it was contentious. But yeah, Rayola was pointing and screaming. It was bad. But yeah, there were a number of incidences with him. But no, I don't. You hate Dominic Rayola, Ben? I, I think that's. That's the first person I've ever heard come in on Dominic Riola. But anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, from Alliance, I mean, Scott Mitchell was, I, I hated Scott Mitchell. Yeah, I was a I, little too young. I mean, he was gone when I was like eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> so, like, I'm definitely aging myself. There's a lot of it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that was, I mean, I remember him, but it's like, at that time, I was more worried about like not falling down on the monkey bar. So it's like, you know, the Lions didn't ruin my day when I was eight. Yeah. But when I was 10 or 11, that's when it started to get bad. So we'll wrap here. Last one. A little bit of a nicer way to end mm. because we, we've been so dark. I don't know if we've been. I think we've been honest. I just I asked mean, you your worst moment and your most hated person. Yeah, you know. <laughs> See, this is what happens. You start talking about Detroit sports and it yeah. just automatically gets dark just because the last, you know, decade has been just horrendous. 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 Yes. So we'll end on a happy note. Your favorite Detroit athlete ever. I love the lithograph that Ben. No, no, no. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is like possibly my favorite athlete of all time. Isaiah Thomas and, and Barry Sanders are up there, but I grew up, I mean, I grew up with the bad boys. I grew up watching, you know, and listening to games. That was, they're still my favorite, you know, they're still my favorite sports team. Isaiah Thomas was just, he was, he was so fun to watch. And I, I know that a lot of, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are younger, so they don't really remember just yeah. how important and how exciting it was when the Pistons were good and how much we hated, we hated the Celtics and then we hated the Bulls and it was just, it was ingrained in us. And Isaiah was like the, 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 the ringleader of all that hate. The bad boys were just so fun, man. It's Isaiah Thomas. I'm sad I missed it. I was, you know, I was three when that yeah. team was broken <laughs> yeah. up. So it's like, I was still shitting my pants when that team was split up. So yeah, tough, tough break for me. I did happen to enjoy that 04. Run, no, that 04 was yeah, was awesome. Should have been should have been back. Always that. nostalgic for that. So that's it. You're off the hook. I told Andy Isaac to blink twice at any point if he needed me to, to get him the hell out, if I was driving him nuts. 
I did not see any uh, double blink, so I think you did okay. No, I, I'm surprised. My my bedtime is like, uh, we're well past my bedtime now. <laughs> but I, when you get me talking about things I'm like passionate about, yep. and when I actually like the person that I'm I'm talking to, I could go on for, for hours. I could... I don't know what time it is right now. Uh, we could probably talk to one in the morning about just Detroit sports. Oh, and for sure. And we'd have a hell of a time doing it. Absolutely. And I can't wait for things to turn around. We're going to get there. But I, I was thrilled to have you here. We had a hiatus. My son was born. We were taking a little time off. We did a complete gutting and redo of the studio. Yeah. Uh, so to have you here as the first one back with the new debut was great. I couldn't have picked a better person, honestly, for you. And I want to come back. I don't know how often you have like repeat guests, but I'd love to, I, I want to come back. I love talking about sports. I love seeing all this MSU like memorabilia kind of like brings me back to like my college days. And I, I love it, man. Yeah. My, bring, my, bring me back on, bring me back on sometime next year. My wife says it brings her back to her college days too, but it doesn't, it's not said in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, will you please grow up? She hates, I was, you know, we negotiated for wall space down here. Originally I was given one wall and I've slowly creeped it. So there's like two walls left. So hopefully I wear her down and win that battle. So it's the same girl that I asked out 12 times before she finally said yes. So hopefully resilience, we, that oh, is resilience. Yeah. So my friend re rejected me many, many times. So anyway, that's the Spiro Avenue show. Appreciate Andy Isaac joining us. Guys in high demand. It was great to have you. Welcome back anytime. Love to talk shop with you. Want to give a quick shout out to Eric Williamson, who was probably on his couch. He was our set designer, graphic designer, built a lot of the show that you saw tonight and that you'll see going forward. Hi, Eric. Um, completely uh, instrumental. He picked out our wooden wall over my shoulder here. Incredible job. And of course, Ben Augusta, who's on the other side of this wall. We now have a control room in here, which is very cool. We did not have a control room before. So Ben does not have to look at me while he's rolling his eyes at everything I say. Ben Augusta has been here till 1 a.m. some nights. Like I'm, I'm, you know, watching my wife feed our newborn in the middle of the night. and We hear the door slam. It's like, oh, Ben left. Ben's been working his ass off to get this off the ground. So much love to him. Talented guy. And, and make sure you check him out. He's um, He's going places too. I just hope he doesn't go any place too fast because I need him here. So thank you to all that watched. Uh, we're going to be rolling. This is going to be a fun time. Andy Isaac was the first one. He's the Kool-Aid man through the wall. We got a lot more coming in. <laughs> I love that. I'm the, I'm the Andy yeah. Reid busting through the, <laughs> the wall gift. That's you. We're, we'll, we'll create a, the gift just for you. So, again, appreciate you coming. Spiro Avenue Show. Check us out on our social media. Thrilled to have Andy Isaac. Thrilled to have a conga line of wonderful guests following shortly thereafter. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you very soon. Thank, Thank you, you and congrats on the newborn. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. We'll, we'll see you all very soon. Spiro Avenue Show, Justin Spiro. Thank you for tuning in.